Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Greetings, comrades, and welcome to the Eastern Border. This time, because of popular demand, I have to look at crazy things that happened in Russia, because we've seen some riots, we've seen some protest actions, both real and virtual, and then those virtual actions have been hurt, and and the people have been threatened, and then the oil prices collapsed, together with the gas prices, and it looks like we've seen quite a lot in these days because if you think your life's quite boring and coronavirus well not so in russia lately first of all we're going to talk about an opera singer yes there is an opera singer from south ossetia his name is vadim childiev and he's some sort of um you know community leader if you like in the region he is also a massive fan of the soviet union and he believes that all the COVID-19 is a conspiracy theory. But that's not the point why the people went out of protest. It's getting a bit crazy, so I'll start from the beginning. But yeah, hey, we've gotten to the point where we can talk about the opera singers once again. But everything, as usually, starts with money. See, um, I think last year, Putin, in an interview, when asked why do the real income of uh, Russian people is, like, constantly falling lately, and why isn't it growing, he responded that, well, the oil prices are so low, we can't spend as much as we did in the past, so what do you expect? At that point, oil of the brand Urals, which is the Russian exporting one, cost $60 per barrel. Right now, it's fallen to... It's about $13 per barrel at this point. And their budget is set up to be for, like, $40 per barrel. So they're bleeding out money, and they're losing on gas and oil contracts all along. But see, I mentioned previously, like, a few months ago, about the Putin's constitutional changes and how he planned a referendum in the 22nd of April, and how the parade in May was supposed to happen and everything. But then COVID-19 happened. And here we start to unravel the things why I think this protest that happened in 20th April, which was, well, riots, I mean, there were stones and Molotov cocktails thrown at the Amon cops, and the local cops even uh, joined the protesters, and it's all a complex mess. 
But the basic story is that COVID-19 happened, and a lot of people, including myself, think that the numbers that Russia are putting out officially as their illness amounts are pretty much toned down, and we have numerous evidence about this. Because, for starters, Russia has a super long border with China. Russia has a lot of Chinese people living in Russia with business and everything, and a lot of Russians are complaining that China is just taking over the Far East, and they had a lot of airplane traffic and everything, yet apparently there were no cases before mid-April. Secondly, the fact that we have... Russia has a massive lack of any supplies to fight coronavirus, and the hospitals in which the coronavirus is detected in the country. So, I mean, Moscow is its own world. Moscow dealt with more or less realistically, but outside of Moscow, which is about 14 million people, there's about 130 million living in the rest of Russia. So, you know, yeah, Russia is about 444 million people now. So, in the rest of Russia, there are evidence and testimonies by doctors who are saying that they're not allowed to diagnose someone with COVID-19, even though they have a full hospital, and they just have to say that this is a, uh, a non-hospital pneumonia, which is like the, uh, the thing that they write down the COVID-19 cases for, because due to how Russia's healthcare system works, if you would actually have COVID-19 cases in a hospital, then the hospital could get quarantined, and then you would get less money in total, like the government officials would get paid less if they get quarantined, instead of they would just continue to show up their good statistics of, you know, not having any. And this also causes a massive shortage of any sort of masks or other supplies, because, hey, if you don't have any COVID-19, then you obviously don't get supplies. So, a lot more people are actively dying. Secondly, due to the falling oil prices and due to the fact that, well, Russia's basically a kleptocracy, and, uh, well, you can listen all about that in my previous episodes about how Russian economy works and how, basically, all the governors are trying to steal as much from their regions as humanly possible, and how everything's impacted by the oil prices. See, the Russian president, Mr. Putin, does not really want to give out any federal money, because then he would have to publicly state that, nope, sorry, our um, emergency fund is all out of money. So, instead of quarantine, like an actual quarantine or any other uh, strong measures that have been implemented in other, in other places of the world... In Russia, what they have is um, still just this self-isolation regime, which basically means you have to stay at home, but for your own money, and like businesses don't get any compensation for the standbys. Technically, there are some sort of loans available, like Putin signed into the law that stated that technically percentage-free loans would be available for the small businesses to fund the, the, the salaries of the people that they would have to lay off or have to send to an unpaid vacation otherwise. Vacation, right? But technically, yeah, that's how Putin calls it, kind of um, month-long vacation time. He doesn't really mention any bad words such as disease or anything like that. The problem is when the Minister of Economics Incognito tried to call some governmental banks who are supposed to give out these loans to small businesses, he was just sent away and told that they don't care, nothing has been signed, and if Putin just has said something, well, we have to wait until everything's into law. So there is no real support for any small business owners or anyone, yet everyone's being told to stay at home. 
there's been extra funding for police, for Shiliviki, uh, your usual Rosgvardia, and the cops. With the latest updates, cops can now trash people's cars. Cops can now literally lock you in your own home with a chain. Cops can now shoot you uh, more openly. Cops have been given actually um, anti-riot machine guns. Yeah, Russia's cops have been getting a lot of funding. So, even though the government does not give you any aid, because it has stolen all the money for that aid, and or it doesn't care, and Putin doesn't want to take any responsibility, so Putin has stated that, no, no, local governors, that's all on you, I, I'm, I'm out, guys. It's all the responsibility goes on you, and uh, because you can get severe, severe punishments and penalties for even going outside of your own home for, like, anything, because... In Russia, cops will stop you, they will fine you, and they have. there have been many cases where people have just been arrested for even just going down their own porch, right? Without any aid, people of Russia are just slowly, slowly turning into, well, more radical ways of defending their own rights. At least, well, in the regions where such things can happen. Because there is no governmental aid whatsoever in Russia, and the tiny one that exists on paper just so they could state that something is being done. All the responsibility is on the local governors, which I demand you have been elected in um, totally rigged elections, because in some of these places, the local governors of various Russian regions are, for example, the ex-security chief of Putin, or ex-chauffeur of Putin. You know, that's where this is going. Totally inexperienced people who are only put in their positions to steal money and to not care... And as long as everything's fine, they can just fund money to the cops, and that allows them to, well, steal more money from the people. Now we come to the two forms of protest, and I'll start out with the real one, and then I'll talk about how the virtual one's being oppressed, because this is the situation. Oil prices are falling, gas prices are falling, massive incompetence, and Putin doesn't want to do anything. Because he feels very, very nice in his own home. Oh, and by the way, as Russia is a super uh, orthodox country, and even though Patriarch Kirill, or Mr. Gundyayev from his old KGB days, publicly stated that you shouldn't go uh, to churches and perform mass meetings during the time of coronavirus in, the, in Easter, nope, in a couple of cities people still went together and there have been local priests on local television stating that, well, during the war someone was shot while other one picked up his rifle and ran forward on. If you will not go to those mass meetings during the mass, then the end of the world will come, Antichrist will be born and you will burn in hell for the all of eternity. And this is not a hyperbole, this is a direct quote from what the Orthodox priests right now saying in Russia, because, well, they just don't believe that this whole coronavirus and COVID-19 is a thing. And there's another reason why a lot of people in Russia might not believe that COVID-19 exists, or they might not particularly care, because, like, some commentators in Russia have stated that this sort of starts to look like class warfare, and that's a dangerous path to tread on if you live in a country which was the home of the Great October Revolution. Hey guys, Annette here. I hope you are enjoying our new episode of The Eastern Border. As always, a big thank you to all of our Patreons. The show would not be possible without your help. If you are not a Patreon and would like to become one, head over to the Eastern Border page on patreon.com. 
Please remember to also follow us on our social media, like Twitter, where we are known as Eastern underscore Border, and on our Facebook page. We also have a Discord server, so if you're interested in that, find the link in the description of this podcast. That's it for now. See you online. This podcast brought to you by RussianVoiceOvers.eu. Enjoy. Okay, so here is where everything gets even crazier than the other mess that I just described. You see, there are some businesses that do actually get governmental aid, which is technically paid to their workers and whatever, besides cops. And those, technically, on the paper, they are the vitally important national priority businesses of Russia, okay? Some of them are well reasonable, such as Roscosmos, get some money, some of their armaments factories, and like I said, the cops and everything. But among those businesses, the larger part of the list are businesses owned by various Putin's buddies and friends and governors and everything, because they don't care that the country is experiencing extreme economic difficulty due to all the prices collapsing and due to everything. They just decided that, hey, how about we use this crisis to skim off some more money? These businesses have gotten aid for buying totally useless things like private clinic that got money from the government to help it fight COVID-19, and it used it to buy Botox. It spent governmental money given to it by Putin to buy Botox because it does plastic surgery on extremely wealthy Russian people. And it just doesn't care. And most of these things, most of these businesses are, like I said, owned by Putin's buddies and governors. Now, the most outrageous things are booze companies and predatory micro-loan companies. You know, those payday loans that give a loan to basically everyone, but you're going to have to pay over a 100% interest. You know, those... Those predatory things, yeah, vitally important things to the state. And then some gambling agencies, you know, those sports betting plus online gambling sites, also owned by Putin's buddies, have gotten governmental aid because, hey, that's how you steal money from everything. But everyone else's business is on lockdown without any governmental support, but with massive fines if they do anything about it. So... There is no wonder that in Caucasus, in a region which has always been rebellious and that still has all these family ties, and we spoke about Ossetia region before, because it's on the part of Caucasus which had always been in opposition to Moscow and which is one of those kind of more rebellious ones. That's why the local governor is kept under control. It's a poor region, and as everyone gets no money from the center unless it's for you personally to keep in control of this, then, yeah, they don't get any um, any unemployment benefits or whatsoever. You can't get any money there. People are very poor, and there's an official unemployment rate of about 30%, but that's totally fake because people just, you know, they, they work under the counter. Unofficial jobs... And unofficial stores, like little stalls and whatever, and, and farm work is it's very popular there in the region, because that's how people make their living, and they try to pay as little in taxes as humanly possible, because they make so little money that it's just impossible to do that. Now, in this region, everything's on lockdown, you get penalized, and people literally, in this poor region, they don't have anything to eat. At the same time, 
their governor, which is an ex-bodyguard of Putin, who runs his little old booze company, he's ignoring coronavirus, ignoring COVID-19, getting massive governmental aid, which he's just pocketing, and he lives in total luxury and welfare. Meanwhile, literally everyone else, who's mostly people trying to make ends meet, they're left with nothing. They're literally starving. Obviously, people um, start to follow various conspiracy theories. And this is how we come to this opera singer. This is how we come to Vadim Chaldiev. See, Vadim Chaldiev is a totally mad, insane person. However, he's also extremely charismatic, uh, being a kind of a, one of the more famous people in Russia. He's a very famous opera singer. He comes from this region of North Ossetia. And so people listen to him. He's also a completely mad guy who believes that the Soviet Union was a really good thing. He wants to bring it back. He has, at this point, declared himself in opposition to all the governmental sanctions because he claims himself to be not a citizen of Russia, but a citizen of the Soviet Union. And he also publicly makes a lot of videos on the internet about why COVID-19 is fake. And you see... If your own government does not really care and acts like COVID-19 does not exist, yet it oppresses you and forces down your throne massive poverty, and people are literally starving and dying more from not having any money than from COVID-19 in Russia right now, at least in the poorer regions, then obviously you start thinking that all this thing just might be a bit fake, and that, well, there were a lot of people who didn't think that the thing was fake in the protest, they just were there because that was a protest against the total incompetence and total, absolute, utter mishandling of the whole affair by the Russian government. You see, this Chaldeev who has been spreading around that the coronavirus is totally fake and it exists only so that the Russian government could just steal more money, hide that economical crisis, hide their failures with oil and gas, and basically just lock down all the people and not pay them anything... Oh, by the way, yeah, most of Russian opposition gives the United States aid as an example of what Russia should do, citing it as super generous, super awesome, and generally praises the United States for its kind of quick response and how efficient everything is. Yeah, that's the same aid that I'm reading and listening to in the United States media that everyone's calling, like, totally rushed and totally awful I guess it's just a matter of perspective because it's kind of weird to kind of absorb two of these opposite perspectives about the same event. Anyhow, on the 17th of April, Chaldeev spread kind of an address to his followers on YouTube where he accused officials of using this virus that does not exist to steal from the populace. And late on April 17, police arrested him at his home in St. Petersburg and charged them under a new law against spreading fake news about COVID-19. And like I said, he was a huge proponent of fringe conspiracy theories. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. And he has a sizable support base by playing the Soviet nostalgia and everything. Despite his arrest, Childyev's supporters in Vladikavkaz, which is the capital of Ossetia, where he's from, because people do listen to him, basically followed his calling and like listened to what he had to say on his YouTube channel, because he's massively popular there, and went out in a spontaneous, massive protest action in April 20th. In addition to his release, obviously, the crowd of 2,000, approximately 2,000 is the official sources, kind of the opposition says it was more like 5,000, so it's somewhere in between 2,000 and 5,000 people, they demanded the lifting of all these stupid self-isolation rules and the resignation of the regional governor, Vyacheslav Bitarov, who is, again, Putin's ex-bodyguard, and apparently not very competent at his job. And this self-isolation, basically, they claim... Well, some of them, interviewed by Radio Free Europe and Meduse and other sources, stated that they totally believe coronavirus is real, but these guys are protesting, and even their crazy demands are still better, because they will starve tomorrow, and they might only die from COVID-19 if they fall in the risk group sometime later. Because, again, just as World Health Organization has stated, yeah, you know, these lockdown measures and everything... They only work in richer countries where people have some savings and they can actually, you know, survive for a while because only about 15% of Russians have any savings whatsoever, which is, well, pretty normal for the post-Soviet sphere. So here, these things will kill, definitely kill, more people than COVID-19. But Mr. Bitarov, who was apparently way out of his league, stated that, quote, I didn't make up this disease and there is only one treatment for it, staying at home. Which he obviously did um, with much pathos and totally made sure that the people around him truly believed his words. Definitely. And he hasn't stopped anything from his own, like, you know, enriching himself and anything. In Vladikavkaz, see, like in those other cities, critics say anger over stay-at-home orders and other movement restrictions introduced by authorities is fueled by this widespread sense that the government is doing too little to support those people, because they're not doing anything, and they're still blatantly stealing. One of the protesters there in the Vladikavkaz, and this is according to Radio Free Europe, stated that, quote, We demand work. We will earn money for bread ourselves, just give us work. And yeah, with the International Monetary Fund forecasting a 5% reduction in Russia's GDP this year, although other economists state that it might be even 7.5% from their GDP, and with all the oil price and everything, basically, they've done nothing to help anyone. So, it has gone so far that the uh, deputies from Gosduma have even stated that those people who demand any governmental aid in Russia are akin to, basically, marauders, they are criminals, they are anti-governmental people, and most interestingly, 
funded by the United States State Department, which is there only to spread fake news and rumors inside of Russia, and then the people don't understand the true value of their state, and they are traitors. Because this continues the thing that there's a popular uh, football, soccer, journalist, Vlasil Lutkin, who basically stated publicly that he doesn't need such a government that basically takes his tax money, gives nothing in return, and just enriches itself. And he stated he basically doesn't want to live under such government, he doesn't need such a government. And he was bashed in all the main media about being a massive traitor because, well, living good and this pursuit of happiness thing, that is all Western lies made to make sure that you follow Western propaganda and that, uh, well, let's throw in, what 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 can we throw in there? Jews, Masons, Jewish Masons, uh, George Soros, gay fascist liberals, uh, everything in one pot, all that's evil, and as usual, uh, everything that's considered even remotely liberal is called fascism, because liberalism is fascism, and I bossed them a lot of times on YouTube comments and everywhere, why is it so? No response. But yeah, no help, massive propaganda, massive incompetence, and these economic effects of the lockdown, together with everything, have begun to hit hard. In March, 67,000 individual proprietors, you know, these kind of small, tiny businesses, shuttered their businesses, according to financial newspaper Vedomosti, a 77% increase over the same period last year. A poll commissioned by the central bank this month found that 35% of Russians had experienced the decline of their income, with 16% saying the drop has been significant. A third of respondents say they expected the situation to worsen in the coming weeks. Real wages in Russia have already been falling for years. However, in the sphere of predatory loans, those payday loans, yeah, in the last month, Russians altogether, just in the last month, took about 1 trillion rubles which is a couple of hundred million dollars just in those payday loans with massive percentages. So this is why the people came out and protested. The rally in Vladikavkaz in the city lasted for several hours, and local cops, and they really were yelling at everyone, and the local cops got called in from the region, because it's a federal thing. Basically, Russia's equivalent of state police chose not to disperse the things, they were called heroes and everything. Meanwhile, someone found that a clerk who had been hauled up together with other clerks in the local city council building, in front of which the protests were happening, had posted on her Instagram a video filming the protests and calling them Look at these scum, look at these human filth, look at these ugly degenerates, someone should call in the Spetsnaz and make sure that they all get their fair share. That is a clerk who's working in the city council, serving the people who are out there protesting. That had Instagram. So then, then protests got even more rowdier and total, complete demands of, uh, like, resignation were demanded. Rocks were started to be thrown at the Central City Hall. Molotov cocktails were started to be made. People got really rowdy. Some cars were thrown over. Then, the Russian government called in their support from nearby Rostov, and Rostov Spetsnaz arrived. Then the Rostov Spetsnaz got pelted with rocks and Molotov cocktails and everything. But then, to calm things down just a bit, this governor of North Ossetia came out and stated that he's going to see what he can do. He might as well reside, and that everyone should just go home. That sort of calmed everyone down. Everyone in Vladikavkaz and the city of North Ossetia from this protest started to go home, 
And that's when the Spetsnaz really hit them, because once you are dispersing your kind of rioty protest, then the cops started chasing down people who were peacefully leaving the protest scene, beating the fuck out of them, arresting them, out of whom 13 now are facing real time in prison. A lot of people were beaten, bloodied, trampled down, arrested, smacked in the head with police buttons, everything. Obviously, some people threw rocks back, they were hit even harder, and it was bit of a bedlam until this nice little Spetsnaz from an equivalent other state just came in and smacked everyone on the head just to make sure nothing like this could ever happen because well if you're desperate enough in Russia then trying to make a deal with the local leadership well apparently just isn't possible. And in the meantime, while things haven't escalated as far in the case of protests in other cities, but they're going there because after this, well, there were protest actions smaller and smaller in scale happening elsewhere, but the weirdest and the craziest form of protesting that the people have come up with in Russia that's happening right now as we speak in this weekend and right now is the 26th of April. This weekend, virtual protests happened where people used Russia's local, basically, Google Analog Yandex, and they have a map, too, where they would basically just put their phones and devices up in virtually setting their spot as a public square. Like, hundreds of people would do that. They would just plop in virtually their location as being on a a square in the city, and they would write a local chat with this. So-called virtual protests, because if the government says that you officially can't leave your house to protest, then they sort of think that, well, that's a way out to get people at least slightly agitated and to get at least some form of kind of civic activity going on, some sort of civic movement, something to get people excited about this and, and, and just to make sure that people would hear what's happening. The organizers of these virtual protests state, quote, People have been required to self-isolate for a long time, but at the same time they see how large factories and stores continue to work who are all owned by Putin's buddies, and their own small businesses are going bankrupt. Many people have lost their jobs. This is kind of crazy. And people just continue on and they post online these things while standing in these virtual protests, quote, people pay benefits. What can people do who lost their jobs live on? How can people live on if they have lost their jobs completely? Feed my children. People are really getting desperate. And that's not even saying about those doctors who have been physically locked in their hospitals of COVID-19 with a quarantine, and they get basically some produce sent to them to feed them. They're also starving too, because this produce often involves like basically a loaf of, kind of a half a loaf of bread and a bit of sausage and some vegetables, and that's supposed to last you until Monday, where some sort of new uh, piece of produce will get locked in, because you are not allowed to leave your hospital in case, you know, of COVID-19, because you have to heal these people, cure them, and then you have to stay in hospital. And that's in St. Petersburg. So obviously virtual protests are getting quite popular. However, if you are like me and you're listening to this and you're, you know, laughing inside a bit because of the idea of what is this? How unfree can a country be that the people have to go to a virtual protest and just hope not to get beaten up with, with terrible violence? Well, then this is not even the craziest part. The craziest part is that after Vladikavkaz, and as all the smaller protest actions were kind of brutally beaten back and people were jailed, these virtual protest actions got an increase in popularity, and so they, they become kind of this one 
way how the Russian people could just make sure that the government maybe hears about the fact how disappointed they are because, well, starvation is literally hitting them harder than the coronavirus. However, after like two days of this happening, Yandex moderators got an order to delete all these protest actions and suppress them with maximum force. That is already a uh, project in law of Ingo's Duma stating that and I quote here, These are all false, fake actions created by our international Western enemies. American State Department is organizing these fake protests to undermine the very basic cultural values of Russia. United States State Department is acting and we should censor internet more because this is how they get their supporters. And after such virtual protests, they'll take real guns into their hands and will try to destabilize Russia and make sure it suffers economically. We should, therefore, with all our governmental strength, oblige all the internet providers and Yandex and search engines to fight with these unlawful Western-funded protest actions. Then we should suppress them. That's the law gonna go in order and with all the nice little nice little ways how police authority has been expanded since they can basically search your car at any point, they can break open your car to search it even if you're not like there and they'll have nothing over it. Yeah, so imagine this, you go on a virtual protest and then your car gets broken into and then you suddenly find that, you know, you're you're being uh, dragged into jail for having tons of cocaine on you, which you never knew existed, but that has happened before with a lot of journalists and everything. So, even virtual protests, not even talking about real ones, are too much. And that's a reason enough why in this day and age, Russia, instead of doing anything reasonable and helping in any way or form their own people, they're buying their cops anti-riot lethal machine guns. Secondly, due to how the oil deal works, Russia has to cut down on their oil... But as all of the oil industry in Russia and all the gasoline industry in Russia is owned by Putin's buddies, instead of selling it really, really cheap to their own citizens because they can't export it due to how the oil deal works or the Saudis are going to smack their noses in once again, and it's just going to burn the oil. Because the government publicly stated that justice safeguard the interests of the large gasoline producers, they cannot make gasoline cheaper in Russia. They also prohibited the importation of cheaper gasoline inside of Russia, because currently gasoline in Russia costs double what it costs, say, in Belarus or Kazakhstan or other countries around Russia. It's about the same as in the EU, which is silly when you think about the income in, in comparisons. It's like, right now, the Russian government, Mr. Putin, is sitting in his bunker, not ruling the country, and allowing his governors basically to do everything possible to make sure that this crisis passes fine for Russian oligarchs. And the situation is getting out of control really fast. Like I recently posted on Twitter and on Facebook, I do believe that all this perfect storm coming together might mean the beginning of the end of Putin's government. And I still stand by my words, because in a lot of circles there's already just this speech about when... And not if. And the main question is what to do with approximately 25 to 30 percent of people who are actually brainwashed fanatics and have bought into their own propaganda. That's the main issue. But we'll get to politics sometime later because I have a lot of historical episodes that I need to make. And we're going to get to boats too. 
because I'm making these two episodes close to one another. So boats do coming, and then uh, after boats we're gonna have some Stalin again. And I have a book by Alexander Bushkov, which is called Russian America, which is all about how how Russians managed their great colony of Alaska. So that's upcoming. And hey, I always love to make nice episodes about terrible subjects such as oh god, more riots after that prison one. Anyway, hope you enjoy the show. Do svidaniya, tovarish. Thank you for listening to the Eastern Border. If you have any comments or specific details you'd like to know, you're welcome to leave it in the comment section on our site, theeasternborder.lv, and we'll rummage even to the Western Border to find you an answer. Like this podcast? Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or on our RSS feed. Happiness is mandatory. Good reviews and donations feed the farmers of our kolkhoz in the great motherland. The Eastern Border salutes you. This podcast is part of the Dark Myths Collective. Visit darkmyths.org for more shows like this one. The Dark Myths Void. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.